Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. What's up, Unbroken Nation? Hello, my friends. I'm Michael Unbroken, host of the Think Unbroken podcast and founder of thinkunbroken.com. And I'm honored to be your trauma coach and mentor because I believe that everyone is capable of getting unstuck, cultivating self-love, and becoming the hero of their own story. I believe that when implemented correctly, the practical tools and education you will receive from this show will help you lead an unbroken and extraordinary life. I believe that no matter what we come from, that we all have the ability to choose ourselves first, to create and manifest a powerful and grace-filled future and love the reflection in the mirror. I believe that every day is a day to grow, learn, heal, and change. That's why I started my company, thinkunbroken.com, which is an online training and healing and personal growth platform where you get everything that I know about how to get motivated, be accountable, get out of the vortex, and become the hero of your own story through community, connection, and commitment. 
For more information, visit thinkunbroken.com. Please listen closely as you may learn just one thing that will help you be unbroken. And please share this episode with at least three of your friends because we all need community and connection in our healing journey. And be sure to DM me and tag me on Instagram at michaelunbroken so that I can say hi. I just want to thank you again for being a part of this, for listening and being a member of the Unbroken Nation. Now, let's get into today's show and make the world unbroken. Hey, what's up, Unbroken Nation? Hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today. I'm very excited to be back with you with another episode of Virginia Dixon. Virginia, my friend, how are you today? What is going on in your world? Hi, Michael. Well, what's going on in my world is peace, thankfully. I just love this month. And for some reason, it's just a it's just a wonderful time to unwind. And I know it's a little hectic for most people, but for some reason, I've learned to just embrace the end of a long year and just enjoy the peace of it all. So mm, not much. Really and that. I'm very happy. I'm very happy to be having this conversation with you today because I've become acquainted with your work and I'm so impressed that it's just an honor to be speaking with you today. Oh, well, the Thank honor you. is all mine, I assure you, my friend. So for context, those who don't know, who are not familiar with REST or what you do or the podcast of things of that nature, can you tell us a little bit about your background and how you got to where you are today? Sure. My background is in neuroscience. I studied, my background's in the field of psychology and in the social sciences. I studied neuroscience at UCI. And for some reason, as I endeavored to pursue education in that field, I was uncomfortable and I felt that there were limitations in various aspects of formal education because I didn't see how they were addressing the need of the whole person. And I had this 40-year-long desert experience where I realized the limitations of all the disciplines that led with that led that addressed issues of mental health and anyway i developed rest the reconstitution approach to healing over a very long period of time and i tend to speak to the philosophy what's true and what's not and the theology god is or god isn't these are fundamental root questions of how the soul works through the brain in the body. Mm, that's so fascinating to me. And I, I think that often there is this interesting juxtaposition that is happening between, you know, our conscious and our subconscious and trying to figure out and navigate really effectively what you were just speaking to. And and what I'm curious about is, you know, when when you are in this process and you're looking at, wait a second, I feel like there's something missing in this conversation that has thus led you to where you are now. Um, was there something particular that caught your attention where you're like, wait a second, this doesn't feel copacetic or we're missing the boat somewhere? Like, where does that really come from? Mental health is the number one health crisis we're facing in America today. And I feel like formal education and, 
and certainly the medical field and the professional the professional field has had control of the narrative for what 50 60 some years and i think how is it possible that we're using all the resources available and this is the number one health crisis we're facing in america today something's missing and i think that's what i found so compelling about your story we're not we're there's all these specialists right and all these fields but we're not addressing the whole individual we're not taking an integrative functional approach to this dilemma and i know where this conversation's been going on in medicine integrative medicine and allopathic medicine and these big conversations have been going on for a long time but i don't think we have any more time to waste and i think this is why i was so excited about the conversation i'm having with you your whole narrative here that about unbroken right how rest is instrumental in thinking about what's unbroken and i think it's understanding the power that the individual has to step into wholeness, which is really the basis of your whole story. And so just the whole narrative, your whole life story falls in line with what I believe is instrumental to expand the conversation beyond conventional methods. And that is that we've got to access resources that, that we've dismissed. And that is the voice of what's sacred with and the hunger how about this it's what the hunger within every human soul to live and to be free and to step into wholeness and i think that's what brought me to this place seeing the limitations in the resources that we've had available to us for the last 40 50 years everything's been so segregated that there isn't a holistic approach to a to appeal to the needs, to address, I should say, the needs that we're facing. And rest, the reconstitution approach to healing, is a method that really addresses the philosophy and the theology of how the soul works through the brain in the body, psychoneuroimmunology. And I think I just invite people into this space to have a conversation, really, of how to address what's fragmented in them what's what's broken in them and i've never for example michael just by way of example i've never met an addict that did not a person struggling with addictions i should say that does not have a broken heart and a shattered soul never i've never it's a matter of fact the people that struggle with addictions in the family are generally the ones that have the most tender hearts. And there was no way to displace the combustion of feelings and emotions and things that drowned them. And so this is what really compelled me to step in to this pilgrimage of finding solutions that are more integrative, that address every facet of a person. Mm, For example, really right? Beautiful. Well, we are a soul, a spirit, this quantum field of energy, and there's so much written about that. And you and I talked in our last segment about all the resources available to our listening audience and to us about, let's say, quantum physics, about this energy field, call it whatever you want, this spiritual realm, right, that speaks to laws of nature, but these in this 
in this quantum field of energy, we talk about that in the context of the spirit here at rest quite a bit, but how it works through the soul. It's directed and regulated, right? Good, bad, darkness, light, truth, lies. I don't know, some people talk about it in the context of demons and angels and demons, God, Satan. It doesn't matter. There's this quantum field of energy that manifests, and according to the counsel of the will of the soul of a man, mind, heart, will, conscience, feelings, we decide what we access. And depending on what the soul, the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience of a person accesses, it determines what happens to that energy that we draw from, whether it's light or dark, good or bad, however you want to discuss it. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, the will of the man trumps all. And according to what the conscience of a person decides, determines where, what energy goes to the brain and is distributed through the body. I don't know if that just sounded too convoluted, but helping people really understand that there's these three facets to who they are, I don't know any one discipline in today's academic culture that can fully address all those facets of a person. So I think people like you have, that, are, that are addressing the problem and where that's left us as a, as a generation, there isn't any pill that's going to fix this. Yeah. There isn't any and, and one method that's going to f- resolve this problem. I, I tell people frequently, I'm like, you will never do one thing and change your life. Nope. And, and I'm not saying there's not efficacy in, in prescriptions, because there certainly are. You can look at short-term uses as SSRIs, and you can see the benefit of that. You can, you can measure cognitive behavior therapy and gestalt and how impactful those are. But I, I think that there's so much more of a relationship between mind, body, and spirit, all these things that need symbiosis in order for you to really start to create effective change in your life. And, and part of me would say, like, the reason I believe that we are in this position is not only from the financial aspect and the monetary side where you go look at like companies like Pfizer and Eli Lilly, which those are easy to pinpoint because they're right there, but also because when you go measure the DSM, where's the conversation about spirituality? Where's the conversation about wholeness? Where's the conversation about consciousness in this different scope? I mean, when you look at, you consider 95% of the actions we make in our life are subconscious. How are we not having a deeper conversation about the reprogramming of of all the conditioning that's led to this moment where we have these behaviors. And that's why I think what you're talking about is so incredibly fascinating because it is addressing human beings as a whole. And we're having this human experience and to negate that almost feels neglectful, negligent. And and yet we live in a society, especially if you live in the United States. I, I was watching a television show the other day and Literally, in an hour show, there were seven commercials for pharmaceuticals. That's right. How is that the solution? But you know what's great, Michael, about the times in which the time in which we're living in? It's an assault on people's conscience. And I cannot tell you in a given year, all the patients at the clinic that used to come in to see me or our cancer patients and clients 
they're different, right? When I ser- I served as director of inner healing at the at a clinic nearby, and I had my private practice where I saw clients, and I'm really big on education, like you are, right? So one of the things that became really shocking to me was the amount of drugs and meds these people were put on. And it became such an assault on their conscience, honestly. It's like, I cannot in good conscience continue this. I don't even feel me anymore. I don't even know who I am. I'm afraid to go see another doctor because they're going to prescribe another thing to resolve the consequence of the last seven things I was given. And my body just can't seem to catch up and regulate to the reality of what I'm dealing with. Help. I can't tell you the amount of people that just want to get off their meds. Mm. And like you said, they do have a place. They have had a place. But this situation is completely out of control. And like, I I want to caveat that. I don't want to caveat. Excuse me. I want to dive deeper into that. Do you think that there is a level of that in which, you know, you find someone who is deep within pharmaceutical because the doctor said, this is what you're supposed to do. Perfect example. My my grandmother in her fifties into her sixties, she was on literally 30 different medications. And, and part of me wonders, is that just based in these lies we tell ourselves because we've allowed the world to determine who it is that we are and what we're supposed to do to take care of ourselves? Well, listen to what you just said, right? You're a hundred percent spot on. And by the way, I'm not slamming, I'm not here to slam anybody or any institution. I'm here to call people into this place of rest, as you well know, so they can engage all of their constituents, their spirit, their soul, their body, and reason to the condition, they reason about the condition they find themselves in. 100%. There is so much confusion and chaos and dis-ease about what the best standard of care is. But at the end of the day, I tell clients and patients and people all the time, the standard of care must ultimately be determined by that quiet, still voice that is saying something is not right here. The fact that you're coming here with a bag full of 12 to 25 remedies, uh, not remedies, excuse me, medications, and saying, I am not okay. It's a matter of fact, I feel depressed. I feel more anxious. I'm suicidal. Or I feel empty, like there's a vacuum in my soul. Well, what are your thoughts? What do you think you need? You should do? Can you help me triage? Can you help me figure out how to get my life back? And... It's an incredible journey to embark on with people because, yes, they can't get their life back. And by the way, many times the therapists that call or the psychiatrists or psychologists that call me, I want to work in collaboration with them, not against them. And I will tell you many, many times I get calls from psychologists and psychiatrists that ask me, how can we... How can you and I work together to help them accomplish their goals? So I think there is an awakening taking place. And I do think there are amazing doctors that are seeing the scope of the problem and the severity of the problem. And they're wanting to help their patients. So I think it's an incredible opportunity we have to work in collaboration with one another. 
If you need help with pain or anxiety, let me tell you about one of my favorite tools. It's NW Recovery CBD Oil. You may know that, and I've mentioned this before, I have chronic pain and massive anxiety, and CBD oil has been such a profound tool in my journey. Recently, NW Recovery came out with their key lime flavored CBD oil that is non-psychotropic. It is non-psychoactive. And for a person like me who has a panic attack, if I touch THC, this is the perfect combination of delicious key lime and CBD, something I literally do not leave home without. For more information, you can go to nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, go to nw-recovery.com, keyword unbroken, and have CBD change your life. Yeah, I'm, I've noticed that's happening as well. And, and it feels like for a period of time, it was kind of, for lack of a better way to face it, phrase it, just people at battle with each other. My way is the right way. And I, I was thought to myself one time, I was in the doctor, I was dealing with the intestinal issue. And it was like, this doctor's telling me conflicting information, the other one. And it dawned on me that people are trying to be right. They're not trying to accomplish the goal. And I think that's one of the really interesting things because you have these, these patients, these clients, these people who are just, they feel buried, you know, they feel like they're, they're just dead inside because they have all these people whose values are not in alignment. And thus, you know, they're succumbing to ideologies that maybe are not actually right for them, but they don't really understand who they are. Right. One of the things I think is important and not necessarily just whether or not it's in therapy or prescription drugs or anything, but life in general is like trying to understand your core values when it comes to healing. Yes. Because I think I think healing is all of these three elements that you talk about. How does one understand, you know, what it is that they know and what they're trying to understand about well, who they are and their core values? It's a great question. There's three stories that I believe we're always trying to negotiate. And this is what I've observed from working with patients, specifically cancer patients. There's three stories we're always trying to negotiate. And that's that story that of design, right? Laws of nature, things that are self-evident and speak to our natural affections. There's this story that says something inside of me wants to live, right? And we have an anatomy that bears witness of that. And then there's a story that we tell ourselves from our experiences in our soul, our mind, our heart, our will, our conscience, our feelings. There's that narrative we're always trying to negotiate. And then there's a story that we carry in our DNA. Our stories don't begin at home. They begin in the home of the home of the home of our parents, parents, parents. So three, four generations deep, there's a work of recall healing and Dr. Hammer from German New Medicine expounded upon by Dr. Gilbert Renald, Recall Healing, that really speaks in powerful ways to that. So there's a story of that, of our very constitution, substantiated and well explained by laws of nature, things that are self-evident again and speak to our natural affection. There's the stories we tell ourselves from our experiences and the ideas and the thoughts that we got from our families of origin and our experiences. By the way, starting from conception, right? And in the womb and our first formative years of life and throughout. 
and then the stories of our anatomies. And I think reconciling those three stories is where we find incredible freedom. For example, with you, Michael, something in you knew intuitively that, oh, I don't know, this isn't right. So you used all kinds of means and methods, right, and resources to silence that, to mitigate that, to reconcile that. And they weren't productive. So at some point, you decided, you know what, this is not for me. So I'm going to just bring an end to it all. And somehow, as providence would have it, you know, you weren't successful in that attempt. Call it whatever you want, divine intervention, chance, accident. I think it's because look what you're doing now. I think it was divine intervention personally. But then you have, these, you have the reality of the heritage that you bring to bear and the legitimate experiences that, you, that are in your tissue. The issues are always in the tissue, right? Tissues and that, that are very real. And the disparity between this hunger of your soul, this thing of what's happening in my life, right, that you're negotiating through these experiences you have, and the trauma that you're bringing in from these generational patterns, right, the disparity between those things is where we find the anatomy of disease and addictions and all these things. So what happened, at some point, you reached bottom. And I love how you address that and you talk about the reaching rock bottom. That rock bottom is really a beautiful and wonderful and great place to be. And we were talking about this a little bit ago because there's nowhere else to go but up. If you can just accept that, hey, this is rock bottom for me, whatever that is for you, individual, or for a listening audience, if you can recognize, hey, there's only one other place I can go from here, and that's up, right? Because I can't get any lower than this. We all have different margins, right? But then you begin to decide, you begin to choose, you begin to dig, you begin to learn, you begin to turn every stone, you begin to reach out, like you were talking about earlier, looking for mentors, looking for information. We have the web now, we have the internet, we have YouTube, we have amazing resources at our disposal, we have amazing counseling, amazing podcasts to listen to. So there is no excuse why we have to give in to the disparity of whatever situation we find ourselves in. Nobody takes our life from us. We give it away. Yeah. And, and what I'm curious about, I have this thought, just this question just popped into mind. What do you think is the biggest misnomer or misconception that people have about their own mental health? That it's inherited that there's no way out without medication, that they're the victims of circumstances. I think the biggest, I think the most tragic bit of information that people believe are the lies of why they find themselves in the situations they find themselves. I think people don't realize how powerful they are. I think people do not understand that thoughts have power and words have authority. It's one thing to have thoughts that are limited, but it's another thing to begin to speak them into being.
Words have power. Thoughts have power. Words have authority. We have to be very careful about the things we speak. We're better off asking questions, seeking information to get us out of situations that we find ourselves in than we are to get together with a friend over a beer or a glass of wine and continue to complain or... We have very sophisticated ways of complaining, right? Fancy and sophisticated ways of complaining. But it's tragic because those would seem like nominal conversations or relatively insignificant, just shooting the breeze with somebody. They have devastating consequences in your entire constitution and in your life. How do you... So then I hear what you're saying. How do you reconcile the thought pattern of, well, my mother was bipolar and my father was bipolar. And so that thus means I must be a bipolar. And then you add on all of the extra extremities of the world that we live in and being in a fear-based society and all of the things that lead to this place where I, I feel like people have lost the ability to freely decide the person that they are and dealing with and, and that's not to be disparaging. So I want to be very clear. It's very much about this conversation of are people just lying to themselves to the point that even though they could have a thought that maybe it's not true, that all of that stuff has led to where they are, they're more comfortable in living in the lie. Does that make sense to you? Completely. And I think one third, one third, look. We're a spirit working through a soul and a body. We have three constituents, right? That's our image. Our identity we get from design because everything in your body is working to live. Your brain is working very hard, like we said earlier, to sustain your life, right? So there's something in our design that wants life and wants to sustain life and is designed and created to sustain our life. That's our body, right? So there's that story. But then there's the story of our mom and our dad and our ancestors. And I'm a, I observe that oftentimes one-third of the equation gets 100% of the responsibility. So there's this beautiful, intricate design that makes, us, makes up who we are. There's this amazing mother and father that we have, flawed as they may be, they gave us life. And I find that more often than not, our life tends to be a little bit better some, most of the time than theirs was, even though it was lacking, right? I mean, your mom didn't abort you. Your mom gave you life. And yes, she was out of her mind with drugs and all kinds of things like that, which I'd like to address that briefly in ways that perhaps are a little bit unconventional um, to bring in the spiritual constitution of drug use and drug abuse and the spiritual element that brings into a dynamic, right? I want to address that and if I can for a little in a little bit. But you have the design. So you have your image, spirit, soul, body. You have your identity, which you get from this design, this intricate design that makes up who we are. Then there's the story of mom and there's a story of dad and then the story of our ancestors. And I just find sometimes we know very little about our ancestors and our parents, 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 right? But one third of the equation gets 100% of the responsibility. 
And so we give away so much power in not understanding the incredible power of the design of the image we bear and the design and the identity that we have. We're forfeiting all of our identity to one third of the equation. And then it, it affects the purpose, the meaning, the value in our life. So one of the things that I think is imperative is to understand, don't oversimplify things. We're very complex being, complex beings. And even the narrative of our lives and of our stories, those are complex. It's like a giant jigsaw puzzle. Yeah, there may be a lot of pain, a lot of tragedy and a lot of heartache in it, but there's a mystery in all of this too. And for some reason, here I am in time, and in spite of all these dynamics, and in spite of my ignorance, and in spite of the brokenness I come from, something inside of me says, I want life. I'm, I want to live. And I want peace. Right? So I help people understand, well, three things. How do you love? What's your attachment style? What are the hungers that drive you? And then, hey, let's study and know and understand all these pieces that make up who you are. So there's all these moving parts that I try to bring into focus for people so they can feel hope and accessing greater measures of freedom. And of course, um, Michael, I don't know if you're aware of or not, but I use biofeedback technology. I use ecosystems to see what's happening in a person's brain. I really start with the confusion, the chaos and disease that a person's carrying in their anatomy right? Why? So I can have access to their soul. So I do go after decompressing the central nervous system in order to access those deeper narratives in a person's soul. So I can peel back the layers of where they, the confusion, the chaos that they find themselves in and bring them and give them a path into freedom. Mm. That's really beautiful. And and so much of that, I, I just sit here and go, I wish we had nine hours right now so I could dive into every element of what you just said. But a couple of things come to mind. And and one, first and foremost, you talk about attachment styles. I'll, I'll say this. I, I haven't said this publicly on, on an episode yet, but when I discovered my attachment style was anxious avoidant, everything in my life changed. That's Why? right. Because I believe entirely and vehemently that the number one thing that you can do as a trauma survivor is learn. That's why education is everything to me. And so if you don't know the attachment styles, like I think it's profound. I think you're going to discover more about yourself. And look, right. I'm not necessarily like, let's go label every single element about who we are as a human mm -hmm. being. But in order to get to where you want to go, you have to understand how you got to where you are. And all of those experiences, they do help shape and form you to an extent until you mm -hmm. get to the point where you start to bring awareness to them. You make mm -hmm. meaning of those experiences. And then you decide, like, is this on my shelf or is this on the trash can? Like, do I need this? Does it bring me value or is it taking from me? Mm -hmm. And I spent a long time trying to figure out, like, why do I sabotage relationships? Why do I tear down everything around me when it's going well? You know, all of that, because you to me, it's like causation and correlation you need to have the framework and understanding of how you got to where you are i would love if briefly you would be willing to just go call it high level around attachment styles just I'd because i know to. there are people listening who have never heard those okay those two words before great i'd love to if you put your hand up michael this is the easiest way i teach this to teenagers i teach this to children 
Um, five fingers, five is a number for grace. And so I think the fact that we have two hands, double grace, that means I always have excessive access to unmerited favor. The universe gives me unmerited favor by the fact I have these two beautiful hands. So I explain a lot of complex things that I have to simplify for people with the hands. Attachment is one of them. The pinky, the thumb, and the index finger, you can see that the index finger overpowers the thumb, right? This is what a chaotic home looks like. In your home, as in my home, I'm the daughter of immigrants, right? So we immigrated to America. And with that comes a lot of chaos. <laughs> There's a lot of attachment issues that come with that, right? It's painful to leave your country and come to America, for example, or to come to another country. So those homes tend to be chaotic. Generally, in a chaotic home, there's a measure of, there's addictions, there's abuse, or there's a sense that life is dangerous, emotionally, physically, or spiritually dangerous and unpredictable. And usually a child is the victim of circumstances, right? In your case, it was physical and emotional and a very serious abuse. And in mine, I was a victim of political circumstances, and that's why we left my country, right? But there's still the sense of hopelessness, uh, excuse me, helplessness that comes with it. And this index finger represents somebody had to be in control of those circumstances. But the child feels like they don't have a voice, okay? So these homes are, tend to be have a measure of danger. And by the way, everything I'm going to talk about is in a spectrum of 1 to 10. Then you have your middle finger. Um, and that's a child that grows up in a place where there's been abandonment, right? And they're hypervigilant. So this is the vacillator. So the five attachment styles so far that I've mentioned is the victim, the thumb. The index finger is the controller addictive homes, generally very chaotic or a measure of chaos in a spectrum. The middle finger is a child who has been abandoned. They're hypervigilant because they don't know what to expect from their environment and their situations, their circumstances. So they're hypervigilant. I see a lot of borderline personalities and bipolar, excuse me, bipolar personalities. And I see this attachment style that shows itself up with that diagnosis. Why? Because there's high highs, there's low lows, and it's usually predicted. The behavior is usually predicted and dominated by the behavior and the circumstances outside of them. They don't know how to behave or how to act. They don't know what they feel or what they're going to act until they determine and take the pulse of what's going on around them. The ring finger, like wedding, wedding finger, right? That's a pleaser. A pleaser generally grew up in a home where a parent or two were hypervigilant and critical. When a parent is hypervigilant, they tend to be critical because they have high levels of anxiety. So the child wants to please to minimize anxiety, okay? And then the pinky alone, out by themselves, they're avoiders. They're pretty much left to themselves because mom and dad are working or parents are gone or the child is just like a perfect child. The parents don't parent much for whatever reason. The child's left on their own. Now, you can imagine that when we grow up in chaotic homes, to some extent, we vacillate, we please, 
and we avoid because we ha- we try all those things as and you can probably speak to that till the cows come home but you try all of those maladaptive behaviors if you will adaptive behaviors excuse me if you will why to survive so in a chaotic home the child can fluctuate from all of those attachment styles right being victimized controlling vacillating pleasing and avoiding because you don't know what's going to work you just try everything now i do want to point out that if you attach your ring finger to your thumb and tap those together that's the pleaser and the victim the thing that separates those two attachment styles is abuse the victim generally has suffered significant and severe abuse on the high end of the spectrum, right? But the pleaser has just... Do you have trouble falling asleep at night because you have anxiety? I know that I do. And that's why I started using NW Recovery's Sleep Melatonin Formula with CBD. And it's a non-psychoactive CBD, which is really important to people like me who have anxiety and depression because sometimes THC can make you have panic attacks, and this doesn't. Not only is this formulation by NW Recovery made with melatonin, which helps you sleep, it has non-psychoactive CBD. So there's no THC in this product at all. I want you to check this out. If you've never used melatonin before, I have a tremendously difficult time sleeping. And when I started using the recovery sleep formulation, I sleep like a baby. So I want you to check out nw-recovery.com where you can use the keyword unbroken to save 20% on your first order. Again, that's nw-recovery.com and use the keyword unbroken to save 20%. How about this? They're the exact same, except the pleaser will tend to have a boundary and they'll, be, they'll reach a point where they say no more. And a victim t- tends to accept and tolerate the unacceptable and the un- intolerable. So that's the easiest way to describe attachment. Now, this is the central nervous system high- wiring itself and preparing itself to cope with whatever circumstances they have to deal with. So memory experts tell us that the child begins to develop memory six weeks after conception, the last I heard. So what happens is the entire central nervous system of a child in the womb begins to adapt itself for whatever circumstances it's going to be born into. I'm told, and the research that I came across, um, the last articles that I read, said that 97, 98, 90 whatever percentage of the DNA is uncoded DNA. And only what 2, 3 percentage of the DNA is actually coded. That means that we have so much to leverage. We have so much flexibility. I kind of think about it in the context of an accordion, right? So although these attachment styles really begin to shape and form our entire central nervous system, and they have huge implications on our forming anatomy, we're not hostage to those things because our DNA still has great capacity to change. Was that too much information? No, I love that. I think that's really beautiful because I think when people can understand the way that they interact with other people, 
and especially particularly in attachment relationships, like it, it's beneficial. One of the things I'm curious about as we are on this topic is how does one like going through this, looking at your life where you are now, how does one have and make the assessment of the style of attachment that they have and use that in a way that's beneficial to them. Because Wonderful. I think one of the things that happens is people will go and be like, oh, I found out I'm this kind of style. And then they go, I accept this. Whereas what happened for me, I went, oh, great. I know this now and I'm going to do something about it. So I'm really curious about your thoughts around that. I have an intake package that I send to everyone. And there's questions on there. So when a person comes in to see me, they immediately know their attachment style. They immediately know the hunger that drives them. And they're starting to unpack well before they come and sit across from me, the story of the story of the story I, I, that shaped them and that has impacted their lives. So... I kind of set the stage and the paperwork that I get out to people to do really 25% of the work that, that we're going to be doing in the whole scope of time I work with them. 25% of the information, 25% of the work is done just by that information that they give me. I would also advise your viewers and the listening audience they can go to my website, virginiadixon.com, and we have links to a lot of these things. And of course, the podcast, I break down the constitution of these things in greater detail. But I would also advise people to look at the resource section in my website. And there's all kinds of resources that they can access to quickly determine their love style, their hunger, and begin to unwrap the implications of these narratives and how they fall into family systems. And there's something along the lines of that. And there's a story that is so compelling, Michael, that at some point, if not today, that I'd like to share with you of why understanding the family systems, even if you don't have full memory of them, your body does. And there's a lot of energy testing that I do to help people understand what's happening to them. One story that immediately comes to mind beyond the attachment. The attachment is easy and understanding how you love. You can go to Relationship 180 also and HowWeLove.com. But if not, you can email us through my website and we'll get information out to you. So you can determine yeah. exactly how you love. Because when you know how you love, you begin to have the resources to regulate your levels of reactivity. How we love largely explains how your brain and your body interact and your levels of reactivity. If you're a victim, a controller, and immediately once you begin to step into an understanding of that, you can begin to regulate. So mm -hmm. it's transformational. You don't need years and years and years of therapy. It's a matter of fact, I think you and I are working so hard to make sure that this stuff and this information becomes accessible to everyone and they don't have to pursue therapy for endless years. We need to begin to learn how to heal each other in the context of these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I think constantly about the idea that if you can just have a better framework of understanding for who you are, that gives you such a, a huge advantage, because that becomes ultimately the baseline for what's next. Because if you're 
when I was in the most disheveled, chaotic, vortex places of my life, it was always in those times and those moments where I wasn't asking myself the hard questions. But I, I think that a part of it was I was so emotionally dissociated, I was just turned dissociated. off. That's the word. Yeah, I was so turned off. How do you, and, and I know for sake of time, we got to keep it brief, but can you talk about what it means to embrace the full range of our emotions and our feelings and, and how to turn back on after dissociation? Wow. Well, I would you like me to give you an example to track with it more easily? Or would yeah, you like me to it. just explain it? Um, I had this beautiful college student, just beautiful person, inside and out, total high achiever. Um, her brother passed away from recreational drug use and was instantly killed and actually burned to death. And she hit the skids. She was a high achiever, very well-to-do family, wonderful family, I might add. And the first time I encountered her was through Zoom, and I could tell there was a real disconnect. So I knew there was trauma that I was dealing with beyond the loss of her brother. And sure enough, such was the case. And she came in to see me. And she's been one of the toughest people I've ever, ever, ever worked with. She literally sat across from me and just stared at me pretty much. And she did not have words. She could not find words. So I already know there's trauma, there's dissociation. And as I began to hook her up, to some biofeedback technology that I have, I can see that her body is carrying one story and the few things that are coming out of her mouth are completely diametrically opposed. And when I ran protocols on her, I could see that she was in an incredible, incredible agitated state. And sure enough, as we began to peel back the layers, come to find out she had been molested at a young age by a cousin, eight years old. She was molested by a 17, 18-year-old boy. And that's simple enough to some extent, but there was something beyond the reach of resources that I had that were like a wall standing between me and her. And sure enough, we peeled back the layers. I did a brain scan on her. We did Saraset, which is an acoustic mirroring system. And it's all the brain regulating itself and bringing itself into a state of balance, harmony, and coherence. So we did everything you can possibly imagine. And we broke down some amazing barriers. But I could tell that here's the body, here's her soul, and here's her spirit somewhere. And everything I did was bringing things closer, but something was just not right. And one day, I'll never forget her leaving my office and saying, I'm living my best life. And this was such an incredible feat that we'd accomplished in just a very short period of time. What I will tell you is while she was in college, she was living La Vida Loca, she was crazy, right? Beauty, she's beautiful. She's bright. She's intelligent, stays up all night. They party like rock stars and they're doing crazy things. And I won't get into the specifics of that. When her podcast comes out, Michael, I'll make sure you get a copy of it. But I don't think 
it's unlike many things you delved into as well. Okay, let's just say that. But one day she came into my office nine months into treatment, in, not treatment, but into our work together, right, into coaching. And something was just very wrong. And I can tell this girl's sleeping and she's not resting, which made no sense because we had read that had her brain came into balance and it was regulated after several sessions of Saraset. So there was something that just was not right. And don't ask me why, but I just asked her to, she said, something's happening in the middle of the night and I can't put my finger on it, but something is very wrong with what I'm experiencing. And for some reason I asked her to describe exactly what she observed happening in the middle of the night. And basically, it had to do with her dog growling and bizarre sounds and just this bizarre stuff was happening in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking, okay, this may be the wall I'm running into. So I asked her to stand up. And this is what I wanted to say. Don't ask me why. But I asked her if she could please turn around and if I could lift her shirt. And I did. And she had like a claw mark like a human claw mark going through the back of her shirt. And of course she's trembling and shaking. And I asked her if she felt like something was suppressing her to the bed, if she felt like she couldn't breathe. And I went on to ask all these other things. And she starts kind of shaking and saying, I'm terrified to basically step into my home. Something's wrong. And this is not a part of my work or a part of our work that people often want to speak about. But in fact, when you talk about dissociation, of course, the dissociation happened very, very young and throughout other things and activities that she endeavored to engage in, right? She chose to engage in up until the age of 21, 22 years old where she's seeing me. Nevertheless, I could see that she'd slip into these dissociative states, but we were, we were dealing with a lot of that but I knew that something bizarre was starting to happen beyond anything I'd ever seen. So I invited her to, that night she couldn't go home, and we have a retreat center where I do independent work with executives and with certain people. And that night, sure enough, in the middle of the night, we began to experience bizarre things. And I began to observe her while she slept, and it was horrific. And just suffice it to say that I have 15 names of things that I never wanted to be familiar with or associate with in any way. And I didn't know what those things were. But these, she began to speak in other voices and other things. And sure enough, here's a part of mental health that isn't very popular and we don't want to talk about. But when we expose ourselves to certain things by virtue of sins of omission or commission, whatever you want to call it, right? The spiritual realm is very a very real part of these dissociative states. Not always, and that's not where I start, but it's certainly where some of these situations take me. And so with her, that's the most severe case I've had of people that really had opened themselves up to dark things in the spiritual realm and we had to negotiate them and deal with them. And now she's great and incredible and she works with me because she's uniquely qualified to address issues of the spirit, the soul, the body, and now she's one of our technicians here. But those are parts of dissociative states that aren't very often spoken of because 
you have to delve into things that people don't want to talk about. But all I I can tell you is those names led me to 15 different kinds of demonic entities that drug use and crazy living and raves and things like that had she'd opened herself up to. And so I've had to delve into that beyond, I think, what I ever wanted to know or understand or address. But it's real. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's absolutely fascinating to me what happens when our subconscious takes over totally. and it's absolutely fa- fascinating to me. I wish we had more time. Um, it's fascinating to me because what I always think about is we understand that 95% of this is subconscious. And so what right. really happens when you go to sleep? I want to go into this more with you. I cannot wait to have you back on, but for the sake yeah. of time, my friend, I'd like mm-hmm. to ask you my last question. Yes. And that question is what does it mean to you to be unbroken? To step into freedom and wholeness, to understand the function of liberty and negotiating issues of the soul, the mind, the heart, the will, the conscience, in order to live free. A broken heart and a shattered soul to some extent is part of the human condition. At one time or another in our lives, we experience those things. But I think what it means to be unbroken, know that your spirit, your soul, and your body are three beautiful resources that you have. They're the three most important constituents that you will ever govern. And you must understand them. You must understand the power and the authority that you have and the dominion that you have over yourself and your circumstances and the incredible value of you is what is sacred in the conversation between that spirit, that soul and the body. And it is not as difficult and it's not as abstract as it sounds. It's very tangible and accessible. And I hope that we have an opportunity. Michael, this is the first time we've spoken, but I hope we have other opportunities to delve deeper into what those things, those constituents are and how they work together. Yeah, and I believe we will. And thank you so much for being here. I greatly appreciate this. It's been an amazing conversation. Unbroken Nation, thank you so much for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be Unbroken. Unbroken Nation, hope that you just got a tremendous amount of value from today's episode. I want to know what you think. Please do me a favor and review, rate, and share the episode with three friends on social media today. It would mean the world if you did, because ultimately at the end of the day, creating community and connection is how we heal generational trauma in the world. And I need your help to do that on Broken Nation. So if you're on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you are, please like, comment, share, review. I want to know not only what you like about the show, but how I can make the show better, how I can make this further about helping you on your healing journey. So do me a favor. And when you do shoot me a screenshot of you making the review to my DM at Michael Unbroken on Instagram so that I can have a conversation with you, say hi, and more importantly, so I can share it with the Unbroken Nation. Thank you so much, my friend. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. 
I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.